Hello and welcome back to There Will Be Spoilers, 100 Films, 100 Podcasts. My name is Matt Snell. And I am Ethan Knight. We are back with number 32. What? What? My top 100 list of American films. The Godfather Part 2. Godfather Part 2. 1974, two years after Godfather, which we did earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Our astute listeners will realize we've gone back somehow and have returned to the film we skipped. Yes, the one we've skipped. Finally, we are back. To be fair, I think we could have watched this one without the context of the first film. Yeah, probably. We probably could have. It feels like a separate story, but it is nice to have the first film as that context. Yes. Now, Matt, I would like to bring your attention to something you said about The Godfather Part 1. I wrote it down on a paper bag. Okay. Matt, you said that you were really happy that there were not flashbacks in The Godfather Part 1 because you said (laughs) flashbacks would cheapen it. (laughs) And there are, well, there are two different varieties of flashbacks in this film. Yes, there are. There are two different kinds of flashbacks here. (laughs) And I think, well, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what I think. I think we need a plot synopsis first. All right, let's do it. Uh, So The Godfather Part 2 is the parallel story of young Vito Corleone rising to power uh, while an older Michael Corleone's own power as Don declines. Set both in the early 20th century and the mid-20th century, the film alternates between father and son, beginning with the death of Vito's family at the hands of a Sicilian mob boss and his subsequent flight to America. Not flying in a plane, but like fleeing uh the film then returns to michael who attends his son's first communion at the party he takes on a series of meetings including a senator a man representing quote-unquote businessman mobster hyman roth uh and frank uh Pentangeli, who asks to move against the Rosado brothers, who are representatives of Hyman roths michael refuses and later that night he survives an assassination attempt uh in his home Returning to 1917, Vito Corleone lives in New York with his wife and son. That's Sonny from the first movie. After meeting his neighbor, Clemenza, uh, who you'll remember from the first movie, Vito gets wrapped up in local organized crime, watching the power uh, that the local Don Finucci wields. Michael, on the other hand, suspects that Roth had a hand in the attempt on his life, but when he visits him in Miami, he does not let on that he knows that, or that he thinks that. Frank, in New York, makes nice with the Rosado brothers, but they try to kill him and fail, uh, and he assumes that Michael ordered the hit. Michael and Roth, along with other associates, travel to Havana. In Havana, Michael's brother Fredo accidentally reveals that he knows Roth and his right-hand man, Johnny Ola, uh, as well, and Michael Michael realizes that it's Fredo who has betrayed him. Uh, he has Ola killed, but his man is shot by police before he can kill the ailing Roth. The revolution escalates, uh, that, a revolution in Cuba, that is, escalates uh, as the president abdicates and the Americans are forced to flee back to America. When Michael returns, he learns that his wife Kay has had a miscarriage. Returning back to Vito, his criminal behavior has attracted Finucci's eye. Vito, with his partners Clemenza and Tessio, both characters you remember from the first movie, they kill Finucci. 
Back to Michael, he's subpoenaed by a Senate committee on organized crime. Frank, having survived and assuming Michael tried to have him killed, agrees to testify against the family. Um, back to Vito, he's become an important local figure. His uh, A widow asks him and his wife for help as she's been evicted. Her landlord refuses Vito at first, uh, but when he learns who he is, he makes nice with him and lowers the woman's rent rather than evicting her. Uh, Vito begins his olive oil importing business. Michael tells Fredo, this is back in the, I guess, the present. Uh, Michael tells Fredo he knows that it was him. Uh, Michael disowns him but keeps him under protection while their mother lives. Michael threatens Frank by bringing his older brother from Sicily. Frank caves and recants his confession in front of the committee. Kay reveals that she had an abortion, not a miscarriage, and she tries to leave Michael, but he refuses and beats her. He banishes her and takes the children. Then we return back to Vito, where he's returning to Sicily for the first time since uh, he left. There, he and his business partner meet Don Ciccio, who is the man who had his family killed, uh, to ask for his blessings with the oil. However, Vito actually is there to kill him, uh, since he's the Don, of course, that had his parents and brother killed. Michael's mother dies, uh, and he appears to make up with Fredo. Roth, trying to escape American justice, flees to Israel, but he's sent back to the States. Michael has him killed as he walks through the Miami airport. Michael also sends Tom, who is the new Don, to instruct Frank to kill himself at the witness protection compound uh, with the promise that his family will be well taken care of. He does it. Uh, and then Michael has Al Neri kill Fredo for betraying him. Uh, in one last flashback, the Corleone brothers gather for Don Vito's birthday. Michael reveals that he's left college to join the Marines and only Fredo supports him. And then the film ends with Michael sitting alone at the family compound. Quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Plot heavy. There's a lot I want to talk about with this film. All right. But we'll start with your flashbacks because you brought them up. I did say it would cheapen the film. Yes. <laughs> that last scene is, in fact, a flashback of its own kind in that it's an actual flashback, right? It's it's flashing back to really the previous film. Everyone's around the same age as the previous film. Right. Although I guess this would be, what, 1941? Because I think they're talking about Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a nice scene because it, it shows us why Michael joins the military and it's not just because of patriotism right he's trying to break away from the family mm -hmm. so it offsets all that we've seen in part one and part two quite nicely i think yeah yeah so i, I did agree. kind of like it even though it feels like a flashback because you're missing the very you know high profile marlon brando from that <laughs> Yes, who couldn't, did, couldn't who afford to, bring to show him back. up on that. Well, he, he he was supposed to come back for it, but he didn't show up that day because he was pissed at Paramount. Well, that's a very Brando thing. <laughs> so that, that feels in a way like a flashback. But I did kind of like it, though, because it caps off the film. Now, the other kind of flashback are these Vito flashbacks, which I don't even want to call them flashbacks because, as you mentioned in your plot synopsis, they're a parallel story. Yeah, they are a parallel story. In fact, I would go as far to say I want way more of that in the film. That's true. I found that part of this film to be much more compelling and interesting than the present day stuff, which I often found to be like almost needlessly confusing at times because Michael doesn't really know what's going on. That We don't really know what's going on. The... 
it's very easy to track Don Vito's rise to power. That that's very well plotted. These you know events make sense. We can see his his trajectory, and I think a lot of the stuff with the with Michael devolves into the sort of politics of mobsterism, I guess, being a mobster. And so there's a lot of things that get thrown at you that, like, who's playing who? I spent a lot of time being confused. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. Maybe. I don't really feel like I was confused too much, and that could just be because I was like, okay, Michael's just telling everyone different stories yeah, because yeah. he's trying to fish out who it is. And it's not even part of his machinations that reveals who the traitor is. Right. It's because Fredo's drunk at this, like, weird sex show they're at. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. These, we'll call them flashbacks for now, or the parallel story with Don Vito, who is played by young, hot Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, yes. You know, right before Taxi Driver, right before Deer Hunter, Mm -hmm. right before Raging Bull. It's crazy to see him and look at his filmography and think, well, he really wasn't in too much before this. No, yeah, this was one of his earliest roles. He's great in it. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. As I mentioned, I wanted more of these scenes because... After the two-thirds point, we really don't get any more of the Vito no, story. No. He kills Finucci. He has the little landlord thing, which is kind of really... It was really funny to me to watch Small Potatoes yeah. Vito yeah. deal with this landlord that then like becomes a Charlie Chaplin skit when he's trying to get out of the door. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, you really don't see him again after the Italy thing, right? I, I think like after he goes back to Sicily and kills basically gets his revenge yeah i think there's so much more to be had after that still i think so it it is kind of a shame that we don't get to continue to see his rise to power now i will tell you i'm gonna throw a little tidbit at you the first time i've seen the first time i saw this movie i was a young man i mean it was old enough that netflix by mail was still a pretty cool thing oh yeah those days you know what i mean so we're talking like a while back and I had watched The Godfather, and then I went to watch The Godfather Part 2. Back then, it was on two DVDs. Yeah. Well, I remember very much disliking The Godfather 2 because... Oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> I put in DVD number two, and it starts in the middle... Oh, my gosh. With the with the Senate hearings and stuff, and I was like, all right, the first movie was kind of hard to understand as like a 15-year-old kid... I was like, this is incomprehensible. I was like, I don't understand what this is. And then it was just over. And then I put in the other DVD and I was like, oh. (laughs) I thought you were going to say that you watched the first DVD and then missed the second half entirely. Oh, no. I started at the second half and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Who are these people? Who's this man in Sicily? What on earth is happening? Does it break at the intermission? Like the film's actual intermission? It did then, yeah. Which I was very surprised to see intermission in this film. I know, I know. I was Another like, oh, I guess movie. I'm watching a play. Yeah. I, and I don't really think that this film needed the intermission. I mean, it's a long one. Uh, and it definitely feels longer than the, than the other one, but... Yeah, you're. this is slightly off topic, but I had a similar Netflix thing. Although it was the early days of streaming, so you know, actual streaming reliability wasn't very good. Oh. So I was watching a film, and it cut off at a certain point and then dropped me back to the Netflix home screen. So you just thought it was over. I thought it was over because it was actually at a place where it was like, oh, that kind of makes sense for sort of a morose, melancholy ending. So I had a similar thing, but just slightly past that when streaming started becoming into. What movie was it? 
you know, I can't even remember. I noticed there was like this tree and I thought this was supposed to be some symbolic thing at the end. And I kept looking at the ending like, why is this the case? And I <laughs> only knew because people were talking about a different <laughs> ending. <laughs> but well, back to the matter at hand and yes. The Godfather Part 2, I, I, I didn't know I needed the veto backstory. No, I didn't know I needed it either. And honestly... It's, I, I think this is such a strange film because I'm with you. I didn't really know that I needed to see the Vito stuff, but I'm glad I did. And yeah. I honestly don't know that I needed to see Michael past the end of the last movie. You know, I, I have an argument for that. I'm sort of saving it, saving my response for later. Okay. I want to finish okay. up with our Vito stuff. But yes. when the film opens, you get the sort of text on the screen giving us some background. I was like, oh, is this just like superficial brushstrokes to let us know Vito had a tragic backstory? But then you actually see that his brother is killed, and then the mother goes... Oh, and his mom gets blown away. Yeah, but before that, she's pleading to this Don, like, look, please don't kill my last remaining son Mm -hmm. because of this whole vendetta thing, because you think he's going to go get his revenge on you, which he does, but maybe because he, you know, kills his mom in front of him. Right. So it's such a tragic... It's, like, even more tragic than just, like, oh, you lost a dad and then a brother. It was... He had to watch this in front of him. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and then run away. So I thought, yeah, this is, I'm into this in terms of like, I think this gives good depth to Vito and it just gets better. We just move on and we see him grow up and we see him have kids and we see him start moving into the the business, which is, you mentioned in your plot synopsis, he meets Clemenza, but I, I, I don't know if I missed it. I just didn't know that was Clemenza until it was him and Tessio sitting down at the table yeah. And him calling them by those names. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's Tessio and Clemenza. Yeah, because Clemenza's the one who throws the guns through the window. It's his yeah. like neighbor or whatever. Right, but I, I didn't think he introduced himself until... Like, it's not introduced to us until much later, right? Right. And, and actually, I think... I'm pretty sure that the part played by Frank... That is, that's Frank, right? Mm-hmm. Is spo- is, was originally supposed to be... Clemen- is it Clemenza or am I mixing him up? No, you're right because Tessio is the one they have killed at the end because he was part of the plot yes. of part one. Yes, and so Clemenza was supposed to be Frank, but the actor who played Clemenza had issues with them, so they just killed him and replaced him with this guy. Oh, that's interesting because when Frank showed up, that was my major moment of confusion. I was like, wait, who is this guy I'm supposed to know? He goes way back with mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah. Because he talks about like his family, and I was like, oh, but that was kind of like... Clemenza was supposed to get his own family after a while, mm, him yeah. and Tessio. So that makes sense because Clemenza was still the last loyal person from that. And yeah. then to have him cast in doubt. Yeah, that would have been much better because it was like, who's this Frank guy? Yes. Suddenly he has a brother and then he like <laughs> surprisingly in the prison, like knows a lot about the Roman Empire. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. I think that this that that is sort of a weird failing of this film because it it does make much more sense for it to be Clemenza. Yeah, right? who just the, like dies of a heart attack off screen and then has been replaced by Frank. Yeah, yeah. Cuz I had the same exact thing. I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> I kept like saying like, "Did I just forget who he was in part 1?" And it's like we watched part 1 a few days, days before ago, watching yeah. this film. So it's not like we really had a lot of time to just completely miss no, but this is also this is also a film series I think that's not very good at it's not like Shakespeare when when a character enters everyone's like hello look it's Matt and he's yeah. and then Matt is like hello I am Matt 
And in case you've forgotten, I'm Matt, the Prince of Matt. You know what I mean? Like in every scene. In this, it's quite the opposite. It's like people are just there. Their names maybe get mumbled off screen at some point. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I don't know who you are or what you're doing, but okay. I felt a little bit that way with Johnny Ola. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, I mean, the new character, Hyman Roth, is introduced fairly well in, like, the periphery, and then you get to meet him at that point. So I think it started to get back on track after that point. But we should say more broadly, this film, aside from the parallel story follows a similar trajectory to the first film Mm -hmm. in which there is a celebration at the beginning, which is also shares time with mafia business, right? Just like Mm -hmm. the wedding scene in part one, this communion is showing Michael doing all the the things his fathers did, right? Mm -hmm. Taking all the meetings and talking to people. And then it ends with a cleaning of house, right? You have the killing of the five family heads at the end of the first one. And now you have, him sort of picking up the loose threads, right? Killing off Fredo and, yeah. and putting everything to bed. But they I mean, definitely yeah. feel different, right? Because in the first film, that the, the the baptismal scene also with the killings was the climax of the film. Yeah. In this one, it's like a sad denouement. It is. It is. I I think you're right to compare this film. It's such in such like structural. Um, detail to the first because i think it's inviting that uh and and you're right i think that that this is truly a film about really highlighting michael's decline the Mm -hmm. the first film is 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 sort of about his transformation to villain uh but this is it it, i mean this whole film is like a sad denouement for michael right Um, yeah especially when it's contrasted with Vito's like rise and we see him as such like a, a a a character with like vitality and charisma and we know what he builds. Right. And then we watch his son destroy it. Well, it's interesting because it's not exactly as if Michael destroys it. I mean, it's never good when you compare yourself to the Roman empire. Right. You know that. Right. We're experiencing a decline, but the decline <laughs> is not an empire decline. It's actually a personal, perhaps moral decline. Yeah. In that the family is suddenly new money, right? They're all transplanted to Nevada. Yes. Connie, man, Connie has changed. Oh yeah. For the worse, right? She's seemingly forgiven Michael initially and she's kind of just comes around asking for money and it's like gets married, divorced a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then actually at the end she sort of turns over a new leaf and says, Let me take care of you. I was lashing out at you all these years for basically murdering my husband while we were baptizing my son. But that was a kind of interesting thing to see how like, Oh my gosh, money has changed this woman and this family. And then Fredo's got a wife and it's not good. No. And, and Fredo's just, Fredo is not, I mean, he's sleeping around and he's not keeping good company. No. And you really get to see like the problems of new money, the problems of, this family being used to one thing, right? The family's always been powerful, but it's never been this wealthy. Like, they have an estate. Yeah, yeah. It's a much bigger operation here than it ever was in New York. And so, in some ways, they're more successful, and that's why they're getting into the big fish stuff with, like, not just mafia people, Hyman Roth, right? International investor, but yeah. is, in fact, still wrapped up in a lot of criminal organizations. They go to Cuba and try to put money into Cuba, right? Like, yeah. everything is on a much grander scale, but personally... 
it's a decline, right? I think one of the scenes, Michael comes home, it's snowing, and the Christmas present he bought his son, which actually Tom bought it and told him what it was so you could right. know what it was, just sits there in the snow, right? Yeah. Obviously going to rust. And you think, man, there's so much being said in just him looking down, you know, half-heartedly disappointed about this car being out there because it yeah. just shows how this kid has grown up so differently from anyone else. And it's just, it's not going to be good. He's not going to grow up well. No, I mean, and and Kay even talks about it, like our son is not right and all this. Yeah, because all of his friends are hitmen for are hitmen, yeah. Michael. I mean, and and we even get to see a little bit of Michael's childhood, which, again, it feels very different. It doesn't, it's not this uh, sort of uh, sterile, um, you know, weirdly protected uh, life of, of luxury right i mean michael seems to have you know they live they live in the neighborhoods in new york in the you know in the 20s basically yeah when he talks about they're in frank's house which is apparently his dad's house right it's always stayed in the family that was a little confusing until they shed some light on that but he said we always had to be quiet when we played around here so it's like they're out there playing having fun being normal kids while the mafia business is going on inside. But that's impossible with Michael's operation because yeah. it's so large that it just blots out family life altogether. Yeah, and, and I mean, you really see there there's, I think, between these two films, there's a, a comparison being invited between Vito's approach and Michael's approach. And Vito's approach does seem to be, in some, in this weird way, family-oriented, right? Like, he cares very much about taking care of people making like even the 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 vignette with the widow right like and it's this sort of you called it small potatoes which it is right but i think that's the sort of thing like you see Vito get into this because people are being mistreated right mm-hmm. the the don fanucci's coming in like you know screwing people over he's taking jobs away from people he's uh you know so we sort of see he's asking for protection money and all these people and Vito's actually like why is he picking on Italians? And he's like, oh, because Finucci knows they've got no one. And he's yeah. like, well, that's messed up. Yeah. And so we, we see Vito as as an almost Robin Hood-like figure, right? That mm-hmm. there's some sort of honor in in doing this because obviously the police aren't going to – again, it's, it's that same sort of weird thing that the first movie uh, explores, right? The police aren't going to take care of it. The justice system isn't going to take care of it. Uh, and And you've got somebody literally coming after you on your front doorstep so what do you do you put together a crime family to to fight that right to take care of your neighborhood uh but michael it's you're right the scale is so much bigger this is not a neighborhood this is not a family right this is a nationwide money the world yeah 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 it's exactly um and it and it's so it's not about protecting his his family really uh, it's not about taking it's about personal vendettas it's about personal power uh and and we can see that in the culmination of michael killing his brother he shoots it he has his brother shot in the face well the back of the head back but the yeah head, but, but yeah this is all because michael thinks he's still protecting the family but it's just gotten so twisted because of scale and it's because he's trying to make good on his promise to Kay to go legitimate, which she calls out like, hey, you said in five years we'd be legitimate. It's seven now. Seven years, yeah. And it's like, well, it it's it's hard, right? Like, how do you go from yeah. crooked to, to straight? Like, it takes a lot of time, it seems. So yeah. I'm kind of with Michael in that sense. Like, he's like, I'm trying. 
It's like he really is trying. It's not like he's like, I really enjoy killing people. He I thinks know, but he I, needs to. I think he thinks he needs to, but I also think he really enjoys the power. Because it, oh, yeah. Because, I mean, the, the way, like you, Olivia and I were talking about it. The way you think about Vito, right? Like when he dies at the end of Godfather 1... You, you've seen him pretty much aside from the fact that like he's ordering people killed and shit like that. He's been a pretty good guy. You, we see him at the end as an old man with his grandson, you know, tottering around. Uh, and, and he sort of dies peacefully in this garden. We don't, by the time we get to the end of Godfather 2, Michael, you know, is is not this figure that we I feel good about at least. No, you never should, right? Not even in the first one you should feel good about him. But it's also like, it's not that he's killing indiscriminately. I think one thing that's commonly misconceived about these films is how much bloodshed there is. Yeah. And there is always bloodshed in a pivotal moment. But these are all very targeted killings. I was watching part of this movie with my wife because we started at like 11 p.m. So I finished it last night at that. It was for like 2 a.m. And that's how enthralled I was with this film I went through all... Three hours and 20, what, three minutes minus credits? Yeah. And one sitting. But, wow. yeah, I, I, re- I, spoilers, I really enjoyed this film. Mm. But you see just like targeted killing. She's like, oh, is this guy going to die? Is this guy going to die? And I was like, I don't think you understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't just off everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think that the vi- there we do see this violence move in a very specific way. And and you're right, it's not indiscriminately, but it does feel sloppier. Michael is sloppier than his father. I mean, and we see people get, you know, uh get not quite killed or The the Roth failed killing, I think is the best example of what you're mentioning here. Yeah, yeah. Um and it, and it, cuz it feels very spur of the moment, it feels very reactionary. But Michael, I feel like Michael is always reacting, right? Uh as a as a character even from when you know he gets into the business right his his first sort of uh baptism by blood is th- the scene where he kills um Salazzo Salazzo and, and McCluskey yeah and, and even that is that's reactionary he doesn't do that because you know because it's a uh, sort of long game plan it's you know we they he punched me in the jaw they tried to kill my dad i have to do something now yeah, I think you're right about that, that he is reactionary, and then he builds a larger plan around it afterward. Yeah. I think it's less true of the second film with the whole Hyman Roth stuff. He does have some sort of long game, Yeah, but it's not playing out the way. So it's not just shooting Salazzo in the face, but it is a similar thing. But we really need to get to our pivotal scene because we're almost at the end of I our know, know. time, and we haven't even gotten to our question. So. As I did in the last film, I picked the scene that really kicks the film off for me. Yeah. And that happens about 39 minutes in after the failed assassination attempt where he's talking to Tom and I think temporarily transferring his Don powers to Tom. Yeah, yeah. To then say, look, you're the one I trust. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to find these guys. It's like, it's almost like Michael undercover. And I was like, ooh, this is exciting. So let's go ahead and listen to part of that scene. There's a lot I can't tell you, Tom. I know that's upset you in the past. Yeah. Yeah, You felt it was because of some lack of trust or confidence. But it's... It's because I admire you and I love you that I kept things secret from you. 
That's why at this moment you're the only one I can completely trust. Fredo, uh, he's got a good heart. But he's weak and he's stupid. And this is life and death. Tom, you're my brother. I always wanted to be thought of as a brother by you, like a real brother. You're gonna take over. You're gonna be the doubt. If what I think has happened has happened, I'm gonna leave here tonight. I give you complete power, Tom. Over Fredo and his men, Rocco, Neri, everyone. I'm trusting you with the lives of my wife and my children, the future of this family. Uh, if we catch these guys, do you think we'll be able to find out who's back of all this? Unless I'm very wrong, they're dead already. Killed by somebody close to us. Inside. Very, very frighteningly botched it. But your people, Rocco and Neri, you don't think that they had something to do with this. You see, all our people are businessmen. Their loyalty is based on that. Okay, again, chose this scene because I think this is where it kicks off. It is actually at the same point after the first film, right? You have the first celebration, the wedding, in this case, the communion. And after that, that's when it kicks off. So there's always mm-hmm. some inciting event to this. And that's how it goes in this film. So it's no surprise that some other structural similarities they have that they would also have this for as a real like turning point for the film. Mm-hmm. But I think you could easily argue that Kay's admission of her abortion is like right. a real turning point for this film as well. I mean, that's when things when they're when it's only decline after that because that of course I mean that's the breakup of the family, right? He yeah. he's no longer doing things because we see him in that final shot at the end, right? That he's got nobody. His wife is gone. His brothers are gone. I guess he's got his sister, his mother, and his father are gone. He's right. ki- he's killed so many of his confidants, right? So I think I think you're onto something there too. You know what's really important about that final scene, though, that final shot. He's still wearing his wedding ring. Yeah, that's true. Because that's he's true. still holding on to the illusion that this is all going to work out, that his wife will return, see the light, and then that she will be able to see her kids again. Which I should say, best door close moment oh. in a see- in a movie ever. Right. I mean, it, it, it's the only door close better is the door close that ends the the previous movie. Yeah. Right? And and it's weird this time because he closes the door on her. You know what I mean? Before it's right. Al Neri who closes the door. Um but this time he makes that choice. So, as you mentioned with her first episode about the Godfather, Kay doesn't fall in line as a good mafia wife. No. No. But it gets more complicated than that, right? With the idea of the miscarriage, no, it was an abortion. She doesn't want to continue. She doesn't want his kids, but she still wants her kids who are already there. Yeah, it's a very complicated thing, and it was really like whoa when she when she said it was an abortion. It's like it is the climax of the film. 
because everything after that is that sad denouement. Yeah. And there's not enough time, obviously, to talk about the whole K plot line, but she's still, she's implicated in this. She needs to know that, like, this is what you signed up for, but also yeah. Michael needs to realize, like, there's also this thing called work-life balance, <laughs> and yeah. even if you're a, a mafia don, you can't just ignore your family, right. and it's also probably not cool that bullets come into your bedroom at night. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's, of course, what what is the catalyst for killing Fredo, because, like, yeah. it wasn't just an assassination attempt, which I think he was prepared for. It's that it was at his house in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's this sort of sting against his family uh which he again as we've talked about he doesn't value in the same way that his father did or at least he thinks he does but he definitely doesn't yeah 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 yeah. so uh, yeah i've lost my train of thought (laughs) well one final thing we'll move on is that diane keaton didn't wear a wig this film right so she looks like diane keaton instead of just like this weird blonde woman no one knows right but yeah like i said so much more to say don't have time for it so i think now is the best time to turn to our three questions yeah for that however let's talk about anchor sure okay first question what do we owe this film what do we owe this film i mean i think at the very least on a, on a visual level that sort of washed out old photograph yellow almost sepia toned you know what i'm talking about uh yeah mm-hmm. I, I think that that as a sort of marker of um gangster films is is really on display here it's probably not the first but this is a film that does that it lays it on really heavy and i i mean to the point where i was like everyone is orange in this movie <laughs> yeah. we don't have to go too deep on this question because we did just do Godfather, Godfather Part 1, and a lot of things will carry over. But what I will say is that I feel like this film, far more than the first film, Ethan, I feel like this is an answer you can go with me on, yeah. is that the series Assassin's Creed, specifically Assassin's Creed 2, the Italy stuff, I feel like that comes wholly from Part 2, right? There's oh, this I, I've never extended... Oh, no. You can't <laughs> go with me on this one. Unfortunately. But it's all about like justified killings, right? This guy's yeah. an assassin. And Vito's moment where he actually goes back and kills his father, mother, and brother's killer yeah. is a very Assassin's Creed moment. So I would say that I would bet money that they saw this as an inspiration for that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, and I mean, I guess we can't talk. We can't like talk about this movie and what it owes, uh, or what it what other movies owe to it, or whatever. Um, if we don't talk about the fact that like it's the only sequel on the AFI list, it, true. It's a sequel done pretty well. Uh, you know what? It's a sequel done better than the first movie. I don't know. I think I like the first one better. <laughs> I I am so much more in the camp of Godfather Part 2, and I thought it was going to be a hot take. So I was like, I looked it up, like, how do people feel about 1 versus 2? And it seemed like everything I found, Roger Ebert included, yeah, that was Part 2 over Part 1. So yeah. I was like, well, I guess I don't have a hot take, but it kind of is now that you disagree. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I just, I think I like the, the tighter... The first film feels a lot tighter. Tighter in there. It's 20 minutes shorter. I know. But it, but I mean, it just feel, it feels like it, it, not, maybe not tighter is the right word, but the, it just feels more logical. I can follow it. I think that the characters, it's Godfather part two feels much more to me like a Scorsese film. 
in that like it's about bad people doing bad things and there's not much to be redeemed and robert de niro's in it and robert de niro's in it right um whereas the first one i think is really much more about like the decline of a family and the transformation of a man it it just it just doesn't feel as heavy. This one feels so much heavier to me. And maybe mm-hmm. it's because we're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm like, I can't. I don't want to go that dark. <laughs> That's I fair. Know. I mean, I would say something similar like situation has to do with your viewing. But in this case, I had worked like manual labor 12 hours yesterday in my house uh-huh. and then sat down like 11 p.m. almost to watch this film and was riveted yeah. like it's three hour 20 minute film and i was there for it and so i think in that case like my viewing was i had everything stacked against it i was ready to right. dislike this movie and i still really loved it and i thought that spoke a lot to me personally about how i felt about the film yeah and i just love parallel stories right i like having two things in the fire right there's an a plot and a b plot basically with yeah. this yeah and i find that to be so exciting even though this film is so long I, I again like the first one. I didn't really didn't, didn't feel the length. This one felt I felt the length a little bit more on this one. Not not that I mean it wasn't that bad, but it, I think that this one may have uh, benefited from just being a little shorter for me. And I would argue it should be longer. <laughs> yeah, more veto definitely. More veto, more Cuba, right? The Cuba situation, like we're an adventure film now, right? First yeah. film was you're in New York, and then a little bit of Sicily. We're in Sicily, we're in New York, we're in Cuba, we're in Nevada, we're all over the place. Yeah, we really are. And the Cuba stuff, you know, in the rise of Fidel Castro, yeah, is is a is a a a moment of epic proportions. Yeah, yeah. And I think it it does a great favor to this film as well. But Ethan, we're already well into our second question, which is, does it hold up? We've already been saying whether or not it does. Do you have any final remarks for that question? I mean. I think that it still speaks volumes that this is the only sequel. I mean, I don't know that this needs to be the only sequel on this on this list, but I think it holds up pretty well. I think it does hold up just about on its own uh, as a film, which for a sequel is really hard to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we don't have too much more to say about that. Sure, so we'll turn to our final question. Do we care? I think we do. If only for, you know this being a film that makes us think rethink the way we think about sequels right or or perhaps the way we think about movies in general because this really is a part of a diptych right like this is part two it's not this it's not you know godfather two it's godfather part two right it's a continuation of this story but it's also its own thing Mm. um and and i think that you know we live in the the age of the never-ending sequels um, and so many of them are not great. They're not substantive, right? Yeah. And, and you know, for a film to be able to stand up on its own as a sequel is pretty masterful. I mean, the only other sequels I think that... The only other sequel that's won Best Picture uh was return of the king lord of the rings which is really just one story right so this is and this is also just really one story really yeah i think it's pretty clear i care about this film i think it deserves to be so much higher than the list than it currently is even above godfather i think it's a much better film i like wow. we, like you said 
it doesn't need to have the first one. It's nice to have a little bit extra for that first one. But I'm also really susceptible, as we've talked about, to the sequel, right? I talked about this a lot during Indiana Jones, during our yeah. second episode of that and the bonus content, is that it's so nice to be back with yeah. Indy again and have these little jokes, these little inside jokes about we know we have a shared history with Indy in that way. Right. We have a shared history with Michael. There's no fun inside jokes, but it is nice to see like, oh, that's Clemenza. That's Tessio. Oh, well, he killed Mo Green. That's what's motivating this. Right. You know, it's like it's it's nice to have that, but it would have stood alone without it. So I do care about this. In fact, I would say one of my favorite films on the AFI. Wow. That is a bold statement. Yeah. I, I was making a list last night mentally. I wasn't just writing it down. But that there's probably five films I could point to that say, like, these are the superior films for me. And, yeah, maybe we'll talk about those later as, as we wrap up the, the, the list. But uh, I think I'll leave it at, at that for now. All and right. maybe we should leave the episode at that for now. I, I guess maybe we should. We will be back in two weeks to finish off the AFI with 1941 Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. The last Number one. one on the list. The last one. Wow. We will have one more bonus episode before then. That will be next week. But until yes. then, I've been Matt Bazell. And I'm Ethan Knight. And there will be spoilers. Matt, how do you say banana daiquiri? Banana daiquiri! There Will Be Spoilers 100 Films 100 Podcasts was created and hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. Matt Bazell produces our episodes each week. Our music was created by the strange and unusual Breakmaster Cylinder who you can find all over the internet. Our artwork was created by Becca Knight who can be found on Twitter at Becca the Knight and that's Knight with a K. You can follow There Will Be Spoilers on Twitter at SpoilersCast you can hear more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like our podcast, you can support us on Patreon for $5 a month at patreon.com spoilerscast. Your donation gives you access to two extra bonus episodes a month. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next week for more spoilers.